Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Darren Lewis of the Daily Mirror and Adrian Clark, the tactical analyst. It might not have the ring of the Matthews final, 1953 and all that, ask your granddad kids, but this is the Mourinho final between two clubs who carry his imprint. Chelsea are well being Chelsea, playing politics rather than compelling football. United are playing his way rather than their way. So Darren, will winning the FA Cup represent a good season for United? For Mourinho, it will do, because it will enhance his CV, which for him is all-important. For the club, I think it papers over the cracks of a disappointing season. Yes, they've finished second in the Premier League, but they've not played the kind of football that you would expect, A, from Manchester United, and B, from a team that has spent so much, or so many millions, over uh, the past couple of transfer windows, and C, with all of the stellar talents that he's got at his disposal as well. I have to say, I've been disappointed, uh, all told, by Manchester United this season, and I hope the handbrake comes off next season. Mm, but playing devil's advocate, mm. Adrian, finished second, yeah. best showing in the league for five seasons. You've got to, going for I it, think you've got to judge it a little bit from where they came from, and in recent seasons they've been miles away. Okay, points-wise they were they were a long way off of Manchester City, but but yeah, it's progress, second place. Uh, their performances don't merit second place. Um, they've been very average to, to watch. But what has impressed me about United this season is they've found ways to win the big games. And last season, it was all about damage limitation in a way. It was playing for a draw, Jose Mourinho. This time around, he, he's been getting narrow wins. I think he's won six of the ten games against the big six. I think that is uh, represents a big step up. I think their game management is actually very good. But I agree with Darren, given the talent that they've got in forward areas, we expect to see a far more entertaining Manchester United. I think the supporters do as well. Mm. Talking of talent, you know, look at Paul Pogba. Now, he's going back to Wembley, which was the scene of his touchline dressing down. <laughs> Where are we with, with that relationship? I know there's been a lot of speculation around it. You know, denials on both sides are obviously best bezies, you know. But... What about Pogba? Does he need to grab hold of a showpiece occasion? I think he does. I mean, two minds about Pogba, because on the one hand, it is true to say when you spend that much money for a footballer, you do expect him to make the kind of impact that Gareth Bale made when Real Madrid paid that substantial amount of money, world record amount of money for him. I think with Pogba, he does get a lot of un unnecessary and unfair criticism. What colour his hair is does not matter a lick, mm -hmm. you know. 
Um, you know, whether he plays basketball, it doesn't really matter if he goes to a nightclub. If he's doing it on the pitch, that's where he's judged. And I don't think he would have got to the position he did, leading Juventus to a title, to a Champions League final, if the off-the-field distractions were a problem for him. Um, what he does need to do, you're right, is grab a showpiece occasion by the neck, uh, by the throat, as you know, other big players have done. He's only scored six goals so far this season. Um, although, to be fair, um, on a couple of occasions, they have been key goals, to be fair to him. But I hope he does take the opportunity to write the headlines at the weekend and prove a few people wrong who have been determined to write him off. Yeah, I, I like Pogba as a player. I think he's, he's supremely gifted. But I think that Manchester United should cut and run on him. I think, I, th I, think, I think it's not a match made in heaven. Uh, I don't believe he really suits the Jose Mourinho team. I don't think he's the manager for Pogba. I don't think Pogba is the player for Jose Mourinho. Mm. He's a great manager. He's a great individual player. Great but social I, media stats, I, though. Yeah, I know. But I, I just don't know if it's in his makeup to to be the player, the type of industrious box-to-box -box player that Jose wants Isn't to Isn't that an indictment of, of the club, of maybe Mourinho's tactics? Because he's a wonderful footballer, mm. a marauding, as you say, midfielder, mm. who, if he were played the way he wants to play by another manager, would thrill us all. Mm. And I think at Manchester United, it did seem to be a good fit. They did look as though they would dovetail nicely, precisely because of the kind of player that he is and the kind of player that we've been used to seeing Manchester United play in the past. Yeah. So I'd be really disappointed if they were to cut and run and not try to play in a way that gets the best out of him. For Pogba himself, I just feel... It, it, look, he's not going to struggle. There, there'll be clubs, mm. big clubs that want mm. him teams out there in Europe, whether it's in England or, or elsewhere, that, that I think will help him develop as a player, redevelop as a player, because he, let's face it, he was the world's most expensive player. He was the next big thing, and he's gone backwards. He's, he, if you're talking about the world's best central midfielders right now, Pogba doesn't make the top five, does he? Yeah, but the, the, that's because he's at United. If you, when, when, when Real Madrid bought Gareth Bale, they played him in a way that got the best out of him. Mm. When Juventus uh, bought, uh, sorry, when Napoli bought Higuain, mm. yeah, they played him in a way that got the best out of him. You know, when you spend that much money on a footballer, you you play them in a way that gets the best out of him. And yet, it, it's it's quite bizarre to think that United would have such a massive outlay on a player that helps them off the pitch. As but well but as that's it, what happens when work towards the, in a manner that would get the best out. But of that's him. what happens when the team is subjugated almost to the manager's ego. Mm. And if you look at what's happening now, we're already being fed the lines, huge changes in the summer, talk about six players, Mourinho wants a right back, a left back, a centre back, two central midfield players and a winger. <laughs> and a, shot, no, and a cake with oh, a cherry yeah, on yeah, exactly. <laughs> it. The, the Scottish threadbare. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know. um, the on balance. that point that you just made, um, building the team around uh, such a talented player, agree, but look, the, they've brought someone <laughs> arguably bigger in Alexis Sanchez since. They're giving Alexis Sanchez more wages. So what do they do? Do they build around Sanchez now or do they build around Pogba or, or do you build around Lukaku who's you know, the, the, the primary centre forward? Mm. It's it's hard to do when you're, you've are you got more than one marquee player, isn't it? I, yeah, I, I, th I think I think it, a part of the ways would actually suit, suit both yeah, parties. So you say it's hard to do and I keep going back to Real Madrid and, mm. and forgive me for doing that but 
Zidane, a virtual rookie compared to, to, to Mourinho, but he does have big players. He does have stellar talents. He does find a way to win. You know, he is back in the Champions League final again. They do play good football. There is a way of doing that. You know, listen, Mourinho, there's, everybody knows how massive a manager Mourinho is in the game of football. So you can't criticise him as such. All I'm saying is that it's a big disappointment to see a player with the talent that Pogba has mm. not being released to play in the yeah, manner that what, earned what, what him about, the move in the first place. What about Rashford then? Yeah. You know, he seems to have regressed. Yeah. Uh, you know, Martial's been marginalised. Yeah. That's not good for the... Well, certainly not good for the England it's team. It's not good for England, no. Uh, has Marcus Rashford regressed? I guess he has, but that's only because he's not had enough starts. He's not played in the position... That's my point. That, ..that is his best. I mean, he's a centre-forward. He burst onto the scene as a striker and he scored a hatful of goals, but he's not really playing there anymore. Left side, he can do a job there, but it, it, I don't think he's as effective there. I think he gave him a run as a centre-forward and he, he would score goals. It's a tough one with Rashford because the easy thing to say now, based on the fact that Jose isn't using him in the way that we, we hope, is to say leave. But do I think it's in his best interest to leave? I'm not sure. I think I think he should give it another season to try and to try and prove himself, try and win Jose Mourinho over. But it, it, it's too easy to say, oh, look, it's not working out with this guy. I'm not playing every week. I'll leave. You know, squad players can be important. You can come off the bench and be a real key man. I know you wouldn't want to do that. Go on, what are you shaking your head for? Well, no, there? because I just, I, just, I, I just don't buy it. I think if Rashford looks around the Premier League now and he sees other young players, Sterling, mm. Ali, Kane, who have come on a bundle for playing regular first-team mm. football over the past few seasons, mm. and he says you know, to himself, I'm at a massive club, mm. yes. I've made appearances, yes, which, but that's all they are, appearances. How many games has he Hasn't started? he got to just do a little bit better? Because no. no, I think so, because in that team, in that squad, you've got Lukaku, OK, he's nailed on, he's, he, called, he didn't call him untouchable, but we, we know he's going to pick mm. him. And we they, know they that, need him for We know that he's going to well, pick Alexis Sanchez. There is one other spot up for grabs if they're if a three-pronged attack. And Rashford, I don't think, has been outstanding enough to, to earn that spot on a regular basis, but he's got a great chance to do it. The ball is in his court. A little bit like it was with Sterling at the start of the season. they just signed Bernardo Silva and there's a lot of competition. He he stepped it up. I think it's down to Rashford to step it up. I don't think... I think leaving now would would be conceding defeat too early. I, I, if, I, if we're talking about resilience, let's talk about um, Ashley Young mm. and let's also talk about Jesse Lingard. Now, Lingard has been one of those ones you think, oh, he's a bit of a peripheral player, but actually this season he's come in and been almost pivotal. Absolutely. 13 goals so far this season he's scored. He hasn't sc he's only scored one in his last 14, two in his last 19, but the goals he has scored have been, on, on many occasions, big goals, goals against Chelsea, goals against Arsenal, uh, goals that have turned matches. He's proven himself to be a big game player. Um, and he has shown the resilience because, in his case, it wasn't so much Mourinho, more a lot of um, United fans and neutral fans who couldn't really see the point of Jesse Lingard. Mm. And he's won them all over. He's done, he's done superbly for club as well as for country. Uh, and so, yeah, when you talk about resilience, both he and Ashley Young have done superbly to win a very demanding fan base over. Um, I, I think their situation is different to Rashford because I think Rashford is at a stage he has to play. I think Rashford has nothing really to prove to us. He's scored goals on a consistent basis, scored goals in big games, scored on his debut in so many different competitions, and he's proven that 
that initial burst onto the scene that he had wasn't a flash in the pan. And I think when you've done that, your next step is to play regular first-team football rather than just the cameo appearances or being a squad man. That's why Martial wants to go, because I think he'll go somewhere else and he'll... Listen, why has Salah exploded into goals this season? Because he backed himself, he left, he went to Fiorentina, he went to Roma, now he's back at Chelsea, and he said himself, I wanted to prove Mourinho wrong. And I think that cycle of, of I think he left when he was around about 2021. 20, you know, look at De Bruyne. You know, why has De Bruyne done so well? Because he left. He said, I'm going to back myself. I can't get into the Chelsea team. Mourinho was there at the time. I'm going to back myself. And that's exactly what he did. I think Rashford could yeah, do the same. I think Martial would do that. I think Martial would leave. Mm. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I just think it's given up too soon. I think Lingard, I know that you're making a slightly different point, but I would say that he just should look at Lingard and say, look, you know, it's worth sticking with. You can, you can get yourself in there mm. eventually. I, th I think it's down to Rashford. Mm. Let's look at Chelsea. Um, Antonio Conte has said they've got no chance if they play as badly as they did at Newcastle on Sunday, which to me seems a statement of the obvious. Yes. <laughs> um, th again, we've talked about Manchester United in the context of their manager. We've still got to do the same thing about Chelsea because it's all about Conte and essentially his plan to get out of the club. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think Conte, uh, his body language, his sort of demeanour since day one this season has been defeatist and, and, the, and that has rubbed off on the players. Chelsea, when they can be bothered, the players, when they want to put in a performance, are every bit as good as Manchester United, possibly better uh, as a team. But they just they have these no-shows every now and again. One of them was against Newcastle United. They, they didn't try a leg. Um, they will try in the cup final. We won't see a repeat performance. It'll be a far, far closer match. Uh, the likes of Hazard will will be up for it. And and I expect them to to, to produce a decent final. But, but yeah, for Conte, it's, I put their failure this season. I lay it at his door. I know he had reasons for feeling upset and not being backed. But he had to get over it. And, and just bring the energy that he brought to the side en route to winning the title. He was the opposite of that this year. And that's why the Chelsea players, I think they've lost respect for him. Mm. It is interesting. He reminds me of the coach who tells his players to do well in the cup final so they can get some better players next year. So often he's been uh, talking very publicly about the fact that he's got the, the most he can out of the group of players that he's got. And it, it, well, I was at Chelsea last no, week. Yeah. Do you believe that? I don't believe that. No, I don't. He I won don't. the title I think with a squad that was... Well, very, yeah, equal, absolutely. Sure. I think he has made mistakes. Um I think the way that the whole Diego Costa thing was handled very badly. Um, and and I think as far as he's concerned, you're right, it may well be. It's difficult for us as journalists because obviously we we like people to speak, people in football. We like them, them to be honest. And he has been very honest. Um, just looking back at the season as a whole, I remember at Norwich when all of our jaws dropped when he tore into Mourinho. And, and, and it was really, really... Uh, spiteful and, and, and went right for the throat in, in his criticism of him. But in terms of the players, I just think that all too often he's complained about them not being good enough or not having enough quality. And eventually, you being a player, you can say better than me, but I think eventually it starts to, to take effect within the squad and within the team. Yeah, for players, uh, they know if they're playing well or not, um, so they don't always need that. But I think it's one of those, when they, when they play poorly and the manager says, my players have been poor. Fine, yeah. absolutely. But when 
you actually you, you've had good games and then the, it's still the same response still yeah we need more we need more it's not gonna it's like well, what more do I need to do and then and you just start to think well you're not actually judging this fairly now you're just saying this for political reasons you're yeah. just saying it to get more money to get more money to, to bring in replacements for me mm. so those guys I'm not surprised they're a little bit disenchanted mm. the only thing I do think is that maybe Chelsea as a club need a gear change because they, they've been a, a bit I think complacency is setting a little bit at Chelsea. When they've had that bad season, that follows a good one. They've always been able to mm. bounce back. Mm. But if you look at the top six as a whole, it will be tougher than ever to do it because Arsenal will throw money at it this summer. Spurs are now going to build from a position of strength. Pochettino has gone for it. Um, Liverpool, already they've got Cater coming in. They're looking at Nabil Fikir. OK, they haven't already signed him. They keep telling us, but they're clearly interested in him. Mm. Uh, and the two Manchester clubs are going to go stronger as well. So the idea that Chelsea can just walk back into the top four, excuse me, that's not going to happen this time around. Mm. Do, you th do you think defeat will trigger a change not just in personnel, but in philosophy? Because, okay. you know... Again, yet again, their youth teams have hoovered up everything. There are players there of real potential. You had Ruben Loftus-Cheek going to Crystal Palace to prove how good he was. Yeah. You know, you talk to people at Chelsea, they said he was probably the best player in training before he, before he was shunted out on loan. On your point, do you need that club to actually look at itself and say, we've got to change? I, I would like them to change. I think a lot of Chelsea fans might like them to change and, and to bring in some of these kids because their academy is the best in the country. It has been for many years. I think the fact that Abramovich is not spending the, the, the crazy money that he used to is a, is a sign that, that, that they'll have to look towards youth, whoever the new manager is, if, if Conte leaves. I... From what I've seen, Ethan Ampadu is he's, 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 he's ready mm. to, to be part of that back three. He, he looks special to me. Um, Hudson Adoy, very impressed by him. He's rapid. Um, and I think that he can take over the role of Pedro potentially next season. Um, and Loftus-Cheek, I think, gets into the Chelsea side. I really do. Gets I, into the England side. Yeah, oh, he, yeah. Gets into the, he gets into the England side. But if, especially if um, Conte uh, or whoever Chelsea's new manager, if they play a midfield five... Uh, with three central midfielders, two of which attack-minded. Loftus-Cheek has got to be nailed on for one of those spots. So, so yeah, I think those three those three kids deserve their shot. And, and I hope that, that Chelsea will, will revert to youth. And I hope that fans don't see it as a, a negative. You know, every, no, every time yeah. people say rely on their youth, people mm. see that as the second best option. You know, Whereas if you bought some players of a similar age from Brazil... Mm. Or Spain, everyone's oh, we're really ambitious. We're showing our ambition. Mm. They spend millions developing these players. Jody Morris has done a terrific job, uh, you know, hoovering up, as you say, uh, with the younger players. And yet, they they just keep farming these players yeah. out. All and it's not, you know, City are doing the same thing. You know, City today have yeah. just sold uh, Pablo uh, Maffeo yeah. to Stuttgart for about ten million euro. Yeah. That's basically a down payment on what it's cost their academy to produce him. So we know the business model works, but I think that where Chelsea are, they almost need a, a philosophical reboot. I agree. I agree completely. And one aspect we don't um, consider often enough is the supporters. They had John Terry for all those years as, as, the, as the local boy. The, the, the Chelsea were one of our own, came through the ranks. Mm. Lampard, OK, they bought him, but, but they bought him as a young player and he, he, was, he was someone they could identify with. It was as if he'd come through. Um, 
I think Chelsea need a bit of a bit of that now. They need they need the youngsters to to come through. But the and, problem and to, for Chelsea to, though is that to do that, mm. you have to have someone who's char- in charge who has some stability for mm. for a longer period yeah. of time. You can't have someone who's in charge, and then as soon as they have a bad season. He goes, someone else comes in. Mm-hmm. That person comes in and says, if you want to achieve, you've got to spend money. At the moment, back to where you started. At the moment, they haven't got a director of football. Mm-hmm. You know, they're obviously missing Michael Amanalo, or according to Conte, they are, certainly. Mm-hmm. If Conte goes, well, OK, we're into the, the name game again. Uh, Sarri from, from, from yeah. Naples has, yeah. been, has yeah. been mentioned in dispatches. So there's so much uncertainty. Yeah. And it, it almost... It, it overshadows the opportunity they've actually got in the FA Cup final to actually salvage something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, look, I, I, going back to the, the youth, I, I just think it will reinvigorate the place. It really will. And the, 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 I've played for te- homegrown products. Lift if they're good, and these three guys in particular are very good. And they're, they're not the only ones. They lift the crowd. Yeah, the atmosphere yeah. gets raised, yeah. and 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 the, the fan base really can get behind the team and identify with them a little bit more. I think. As you rightly point out, it wouldn't, shouldn't be seen as a second best option. I think it's an opportunity for Chelsea to reinvent themselves because they've got a lot of talent there. They won the Youth Cup final. Oh, and, and, such and, style. You, you, you're, I think what you're spot on. Chelsea need players with a commitment to the club. Yes. It has to mean something yes. to those players. There are too many players. It doesn't matter. If they don't finish in the top four, Hazard can say everything he wants. He, if the right offer comes in from Real Madrid, say, Zidane, come and play for me. He's gone. Mm. Courtois runs down his contract. He's gone. If Chelsea find themselves in trouble, those players don't have a commitment to the club, regardless of what they say. Whereas if you've come through that system, it means something to you. Mm. I remember covering Spurs when... Soldado was struggling, Adebayor, it was very hit and miss, obviously things weren't happening behind the scenes, and Kane came through, and every game that Kane played, it meant something to him, and it meant something to the fans. And that's obviously where the chant, one of our own, uh, really started to take effect. And, you know, I think with Chelsea, that gear change surely should comprise having some of those young players come through and represent the club. Mm. Other big event of the week... Gareth Southgate naming his World Cup squad on Wednesday. Um, he sort of let it be known that there aren't going to be too many surprises. Do we take that as red, or are we going to see some uncapped players, maybe um, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold or a Ryan Sessegnon involved? <sighs> I, 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 probably not. I don't think Sessegnon. I think it might come too soon for him. And obviously, he's only played in the Championship. He looks a special player, though. I really like the look mm. of Cessna. I wouldn't pick him. No, I, I think it would be too soon. Trent Alexander-Arnold, I would pick. Because I think he's just been outstanding and in, in big games. He hasn't been brilliant in every game. He's te- he had a testing... Well, he's 19. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He had a testing uh, experience in Rome, I remember. But he is... In my opinion, probably better than Kieran Trippier. And that seems incredibly harsh on, on Trippier. I can see your eyebrows raising. <laughs> I'm uh, glad you said uh, that. <laughs> for, for me, Carl Walker is the best right back. Yeah. Um, you think right they'll play him in a three? Maybe, but and I understand the logic of it, but I think you're losing Carl's best qualities, which are down the wing. So I would play him as a right wing back. And I, and I would have Alexander-Arnold as the understudy because I actually think Alexander-Arnold in a year's time will be maybe level pegging with Carl Walker in the in the stakes. So um but hand on heart I think I think it'll be Trippier and Walker. I, I would take Alexander Arnold, I totally agree. I think 
he's improved as a player through the season. There's one particular game, uh, Crystal Palace, where he was having a hard time against Zaha, and in the second half he came out and played yeah. much further forward and put the pressure. Yeah, remember that was the game. The, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and, yeah. and it showed in a game how you know he can deal with a difficult situation and the kind of adversity that obviously you'll get at a World Cup against top players. Um, but not only that, if you look at the calibre of the opposition he's come up against and come through in this Champions League run to the final, how could you not pick him in a whole I mean, World he, Cup? He looked after Sarri very, very well. Absolutely. I think it's also, you know, to your point about homegrown players, mm. what struck me about him is how naturally he comes across. Mm. You know, he has... He's obviously a local lad. He does charitable work around there. Yes. But it was really interesting... On, on Sunday when they did the lap of honour. Right. He went and took a, took a lad in a wheelchair around with him. Little things like that mean an awful lot. And, I, you know, you can say that's a part of the sort of ethos of Liverpool, mm. but that says a lot about the bloke himself. It does, me. yeah. He's clearly got a great character. Um, he's got a wonderful temperament because at his age, I was happy if I was in a, got a reserve game. <laughs> like, this is, this is a talented boy. You know, I played for the England youth teams. Um, it's, it, it's hard to make the step up to... It's not that hard. It's hard, but it's not It's not impossible to get first-team appearances, the odd one. Mm. But to be good enough to stay in the team above others and to then, when you hit that little plateau, which is natural for all young players, to then come through and improve again, that it takes a special character to do that, real mental strength as well as talent. So um, Alexander-Arnold is... He's special, and I think Liverpool have unearthed the gem there. I really well, do. I, I think I, I would take Alessandro Arnold, and I would take Sessegnon actually, because, yeah, again, you know, I, I think the Brazilians they they get a young, a, a talented young player through the special player. They take them, you know, and we get excited about seeing them. You know, the Spanish would do it as well. Why should we not do it? And I think when we're talking about what. Southgate would do. Let's bear in mind, earlier in the season, ahead of the games against Brazil and Germany, he really gambled and, and, and said to some very experienced players, you're not part of my plans anymore. Mm. And everyone thought, well, hang on a minute, you're doing this ahead of Brazil and Germany. We might have to watch <laughs> this through our fingers, you know. But he played the young, young, young teams in both mm. those games and we came out with a lot of credit. I don't think he's worried about picking no. young players. It's been brave. Well, I, I, I think so. And also, I think his, his focus, actually, to be honest, is not 2018, I think it's 2022. Might be. Yeah, but we, we, he doesn't know he'll be there in 2022. We don't know. No one, no one can be certain of it. It's results business, isn't it? Mm. We, we finished bottom of the group. <laughs> I don't think we'll finish. No, nor do I. But I, I, I don't think Southgate can afford to just think about 2022. I think if you look around a team, and in, year, in, in tournaments gone by, there was only one player, and if he, if he was injured, we'd get the prayer mat out and all that nonsense. <laughs> we have goals all over the team. We have pace all over the team. We've got creativity. I am not... There'll probably be people listening to this saying, oh, what are you talking about? Why well, players aren't world-class? There are some real cliché myths floating around. If you can get a team to operate well, buy into an ethos, work within a, an effective team structure. We've seen up and down the Premier League this season. If you can do that, you can get results, and I think England can do that. Would you play Kane and Vardy together? I would, yes. I think they'd be incredibly harsh on Raheem Sterling because he's had a, he's had a sensational season. So it, Kane and Sterling, or Kane and Vardy for me, I, I think attack is absolutely the best form of defence for England at the World Cup finals. We want to be playing in the other team's half. We want to be exploiting that pace. Um, Would you play Kane and Vardy together, Sterling on the left and Lingard on the right? No. But, uh, oh, well, then, then, you, then you're dropping Deli Alley. So? 
Yeah, yeah, but, but I, I wouldn't drop Deli Ali because I think he's he's a goal scoring midfielder. That he's also an occasional player. A little bit, little he bit dropped special. Dropped him in the last game. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Deli Ali would make it for me. Um, I would be looking. I think we'll go with three at the back. Three, three, four, one, two. That's that's how I'm looking at it. Or three, five, two. Uh, I think I would play Ali as part of a midfield three. Um, with two up top, whether that's Vardy and Kane or or Sterling and Kane, it's all about the pace attack. It I, really is. I would play. I would play. Um, Lingard and, and Sterling as wide players. I'd play a two up top. Mm. I'd play a, um, Dyer with a creative midfielder, whether it was Loftus Cheek or Ali. But I wouldn't be afraid. Again, if you look at other big nations with big aspirations, they're not afraid to leave players on the bench. Whereas yeah. in England, we <laughs> yeah. have, oh my goodness, have you, you seen, don't play this Have you player. seen the defence that, that, that we will not be protecting? Oh, yeah, but hang on a minute. We're playing Tunisia and we're playing yeah. Panama. But they're different cases. Yeah, but what we want to do straight away is get out of the group mm. and, I, and, and also get some momentum as well. Mm. We want to get a good feeling mm. about the team. And I think if we do that, if we utilise the pace in the team, obviously, as you say, um, Vardy and Kane together, different styles. Vardy with his pace and his ability to get in behind and, and Kane with his The power. only issue there is that, that neither is used to having a partner. Kane, Kane loves playing on his own up top, so, so, so does Vardy. So that, I think, would need a bit of work. Whereas Sterling is very good in and around a front player. So that, that might give him mm. the edge. I believe that, that Sterling will start the first game just floating in and around Kane. I'd be disappointed if we didn't. We talk so much about it. You know, oh, they're brilliant, they should do this. And then we get to well, major tournaments and we're, we're scared. We, you know, we're, we panic. We're worried about what they might do. Let the opposition worry. And they're also we... worried what we in the media might say. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you're which, right. You know, right. Which, which in the past has probably been justified. Sense, but yeah. that's where, sorry, I would think that Southgate's influence will be most marked because he's been he, he, over the last year, yeah. he's been doing everything he can to create a climate of self-confidence yeah. and tolerance. I think you know, he's nailing it. I think he's nailing the job at the moment. I, I, it's not much that I'm disagreeing with in terms of his selections. OK, one or two of his squad selections I, I, wasn't, I wasn't convinced about, but in terms of you know having a plan A and a plan B, back three, back four, he's not been afraid to try it. He's, he's dropped some big names, some older guys. I, I love the idea of naming the squad this early. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think all the players will actually appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. OK, you'll have a good standby list, so you, you know don't go off on holiday. There's, there's a chance we'll need you, but the players know where they stand, and that's 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 because he's been there not that long ago. Gareth yes, Southgate yes. is a player; he knows the experience. Yeah, got Jared, sorry, just just for um, purposes of the of the viewers and the listeners, give them a a glimpse behind the scenes as it is. When we go up to St George's Park, and you know there is the the access to the players. Mm. Now, when I've been there, I've seen or felt a different sense, a different mood. What actually happens in that? And what's your view of the way players now are responding to the attention they're obviously going to get? Well, when you go to St George's Park to interview players, the, the, the way it works is that there is a main press conference uh, that everyone sees on, on, on our friends, um, on, on the rolling news channels. And then afterwards, um, we have scheduled times where we will sit in different rooms with a player and representatives of every publication and the electronic media will sit around a big table, bigger than this, um, and, <laughs> and, and the player will come in and, and they'll speak for around about 15 to 20 minutes. I remember Adam Lalana speaking superbly um, about Liverpool, about himself, about his relationship with uh, Gareth Southgate as well and about his own aspirations. Uh, and then you, you another, we'll, he'll finish, another one will come in, we'll do him and then we save 
maybe one uh, interview for one day and another for the following day. Uh, so if the media day, for example, is on a, a Wednesday, then we would run one piece in the Thursday for Friday newspaper and the second in the Friday for Saturday. What I'm, what I'm trying to get at is more mature and there's a better feel about the place, which yes. can only be translated positively on the pitch, I think. What, the, what England have done, and, and you're right about Southgate nailing the whole operation, under Southgate's watch, they've stripped away all the nonsense, all the pomp and the ceremony, all the treating the players like rock stars. Okay, good. Um, there are good um, press officers, um, you know, guys like um, Andy Walker mm. and Greg Dimitru and, 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 and all those guys who, who understand the needs of the media and understand um, the needs of the players as well, the requirements. So it's not them against us anymore. There's no, no, there's no, there's no more thought paranoia, basically. Yeah, and that's great. And, and, and you want your players to be relaxed and you want them to be able to, to speak relatively freely. You know, they're, going to have the, you know, they're not going to be silly or gung-ho about what they say. But, but no, I think in the past it's felt as if uh, the players have had a real wall up and a bit of paranoia, like you're saying. It, it doesn't help. I think... You want the England players to enjoy the whole experience, don't you? Especially at a tournament, and, and in recent times, they definitely haven't enjoyed it. I was at South Africa, and I, I was based um, in, in Cape Town, and you saw the Dutch come out and mingle with, with, with the fans and, and, and whatever else, and you saw other nations, you know, come out, go out, walk around. And the English, you know, it, it was almost like cold it's, you know. And, you know, we, we forget this is football we're talking about. This isn't the United Nations. <laughs> you watch, lose the first game 1-0 and, uh, <laughs> no, and the headlines, no, 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 the headlines will go against them. I, I, no, I think, I, think it's, it's a, I think the media now understand that you're, you're talking about young players. You're talking about a group of players with the potential to do big things. Yes, everyone will have an opinion on the way we play and whether we play well or not, but there isn't this collective will at all within the media to batter no. England, as yeah. people might think. But if we are talking about paranoia, that will be in about probably six to eight clubs this week. Mm. There are going to be big changes managerially, aren't there? I've never seen an end of a season where so many managers have so much uncertainty around their jobs. Some, obviously, like Wagner, got a year left. Benitez got a year left, um, you know, considering their options. Others, the fans don't want them. Allardyce at Everton, um, Moyes at West Ham. Uh, and, and I think over the next few days, there will be a, a bit of a bloodletting. And I think, uh, as well as players leaving their clubs, I think a, a lot of managers will leave their clubs. I think it's a good thing, I have to say. I think English football needs younger men, fresh ideas, a different uh, approach in terms of appointing managers because I think all too often we recycle the same old managers. They're good at what they do, don't get me wrong, but I think we need younger men to come yeah. in and maybe fresher voices, that, you know... Arteta they're talking yeah. about potentially <clears throat> Arsenal you know more about <clears throat> that than me but that would for me would possibly be a step too far yeah, yeah I agree <laughs> but I certainly think that we need to have a fresh but it looks up. like Arsenal are going to do that doesn't it they're um, going to go young by the look of it not necessarily no I don't, I think, I don't think any of us know it's, if truth be told we're led to believe that Allegri is probably top of the list, but but will they be able to get him? I'm surprised that Arteta and Vieira are so high on the rumoured shortlist because you know we've got one rookie in in Patrick Vieira and, and one guy in Arteta who's never managed. So for me, that, that they can't manage Arsenal next. It should they should come after this guy. Um, See, I slightly I, disagree with you on Vieira you? because I think Vieira has obviously been. Uh, 
part of the Manchester City setup. Mm. But he's gone away to New York City. Mm. Yeah, he's taken over from Jason Kreese. The team were around about 17th in the league when he took over. He's offloaded players. He's brought new players in. Mm. He's brought them up higher up the table. He's had experience of man management, tactics, picking a team. He's been in the dugout. People might deride the MLS, you know, but remember, Wenger came from Grand Vizet. So when you think about Vieira, I think he's a different case to Arteta, who basically is going to get the job because he's... Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't disagree at all with that. But look, Arsenal, in my opinion, they need a real strong disciplinarian. They need someone that will will knock the bad habits out of the players, knock them into shape. And... uh, and for me, Allegri is the standout one. He's the, he ticks a lot of the boxes. And this sounds stupid as well. Arsenal have got a tradition of appointing smart, quite respectable managers as well. And and I just I think he's got he's got the well, right gravitas, right gravitas for yeah, the but job. Vieira would have gravitas. I I agree. I agree on Vieira, and I'm not writing him off. Yeah. But if you look, you tell me yeah. if you were to compare them as if they were players, yeah. Allegri and Vieira. Yeah. I mean, Allegri is, is an elite player. Vieira is, is a, p- a potential Wasn't Vieira player. Vieira part of the unbeaten season? No, I'm talking about if you... It, these are two managers, but if you were judging them as players... So I said unbeaten season. Part of their you see what I'm saying? saying? Yeah. So, what, um, what about Nagelsmann? He's, I look at what he's doing at Hoffenheim. 30 years old. Future star, yeah. Fantastic. I mean, he's a current star. He's not a future star. He's, he, he, I think if you've got it, you've got it. And clearly he knows exactly what he's doing. The success he's had is amazing. Tactically so bright and, and brave. But again, I think it would represent a slight gamble because it's a new country and it's a it's a bigger club, much bigger club, and the scrutiny is is huge. That's why again, Allegri, Vieira, even because he's experienced that that giant club. Can I in ask the past. a question? If, if because you know, if if Arteta goes in, he's thirty six. Mm. If if there's someone that young goes in, does he spend the first six months with all the players testing him to see how far they can push him? The players would test the manager. No matter who they are, I think, because every dressing room I've ever been in, you just watch the manager, especially a new manager. You watch them like a hawk. You listen to every word they say, every response to every situation, and you suss them out. And it, it, it doesn't take players long to realise he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Or I'm not sure about him, you know, I'm not sure yeah. about him. And when you've got two, three, four, five players saying, I'm not sure he's up to it, then you've got a problem. And, and I think that's more likely to happen with Arteta. Because of his inexperience. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes you, you maybe need to, to make those mistakes somewhere else. I can remember Mark Hughes, who may or may not stay at Southampton after <laughs> keeping him up, telling me that actually he said, probably, no matter what you've done in your playing career, mm-hmm. you've probably got about 10 minutes. <laughs> the moment you walk into that dressing room, you've got 25 pairs of eyes focused on you. It's, so it's going to be you've interesting. Got to watch, you've really got to watch what you say if you're a manager. Footballers are sharp. OK, they're not, they don't always come across that way in, in, in interviews and one of the most academic people in the world. But when it comes to sussing out people and their knowledge of football or, or the way they go about things, they are on the case, let me tell you. So, so yeah, I would like to see someone with more gravitas come in, someone who maybe commands a touch more respect because, because of that. And because, actually, I want a manager to suss out the players at Arsenal and I want him to go in there and evaluate them and to say, are you the one for me? Are you prepared to learn? Are you prepared to improve? And I think he will find out quickly which are the players to keep yeah. and which are the ones to shed. So it's been a bit too cosy, isn't it? It's, it has. It has. And look, you know, I'm an Arsene Wenger fan. He's been brilliant, but they've had it. They've had it quite easy. The players in that dressing room, and I, I believe a strict disciplinarian is an absolute must for for the next Arsenal manager. Yeah. What about you know? Obviously, fans are having a greater say in terms of you know they're certainly much more vocal these days. 
they're not having Sam Allardyce at any price at Everton, are they? Will that lead to the inevitable departure? I think he's leaving. I, I think that... Uh, but, but, frankly, I think the people who run the club are being a bit cowardly about it because if they don't want him, they've just got to say so. All this talk about surveys and whatever else... Oh, it's a nonsense. Yeah, it's nonsense. You know, and it's no way to treat an experienced manager mm. uh, as well. I, I think as far as... Um, the Rooney situation is concerned as well. We now hear that you know they're trying to get him to stay when Rooney, when Allardyce quite clearly doesn't see him as part of his plans going forward. It's certainly in the first team, so um, it's looking for all the world as though Allardyce is on his way, and that's a real shame. Um, but you know Everton, if they do get rid of him, they are another club. This next appointment for them is key. Get it right, and they could push back towards the top four. And let's not kid ourselves when they spent all that money last summer. Mm. That was with an aim to break into the top four. Somebody with other than Mashiri needs to make the decision because I think he's a bit starstruck to use the words Hollywood manager last summer when he was talking about Kuman and, and you know the guy that he'd brought in, you know, and, and he needs to realise it's just got to be the right man for the job. Uh, that's going to inspire the, the players and, yeah. and, and, and do well. But yeah, I definitely think yeah. Allardyce. Is the, the, the issue they've both had with uh, Allardyce and Moyes at West Ham, who, who, who may be on his way as well, is that. Um, the fact, I think the fans will respect the fact that they've kept them up and they've made them safe. Okay, great, but it's just boring. And they want to see teams, they don't want to pay their season ticket and turn up for six, seven of the home matches. How many are there in total? 19. Six, seven, eight of the game. They want to see them playing for a draw at home, playing to keep a clean sheet at home. They don't want that. They're Everton and West Ham. They, they, I think they can. They, should expect and should, should have the right to, to, to see their team I, I, try I, I, and win. I must just say, though, if you look at some of the teams that have been in relegation trouble, they were there precisely because the fans demanded that they open up. Crystal Palace brought in De Boer. They wanted sexier football. Stoke got rid of Pulis because the fans said, don't tell us to be careful what we wish for. We have a right, having paid our season ticket money, to expect better football. West Brom got rid of... Um, um, but I, th I think Everton and West Ham have got the resources uh, and they're the stature of club that they can attract good enough players to, to play attacking football. What Everton do as well, but they bought badly. And so when you buy badly, you have a team that can't defend. That's the problem. You need somebody to go in there and just get them playing in a way that gets the points. In both cases, Maybe next season they can play better. It was recruitment that was the issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and it forced them to go with really defensive managers to and, save this And game. recruitment, I suspect, will be the ultimate decisive factor at Tottenham yes. where you've got Pochettino essentially calling out Daniel Levy saying we've got to sort this out mm. what do you expect to happen? I think Levy will meet him halfway I really do, I don't see how you could not, when you look at what he's delivered Champions League football three seasons in a row, first time in the Premier League era he's done that uh, he's obviously taken Harry Kane on to a new level he's helped them to finish as the top club sorry, in <laughs> London um, he he has changed the mentality uh, at the club. Everyone thought that Spurs would fold uh, as they heard the galloping hooves of Chelsea coming up on the rails last week, and yet it was Chelsea who choked and not Spurs. Um, I think he has done so much for that club mm. that I believe he would be a fool not to listen to what he's got to say. And let's not kid ourselves. What he wants is maybe for the club to relax the wage structure, bring in a couple of big players this summer because Lorente's been a flop. Uh, a, a couple of the others have been very, very disappointing as well. They do not have the squad to compete. And if they want to stay in that top four, if they want to compete for the title in their new stadium, they've got to spend big. And can we just look 
um, you know, time is running away with us, but can we look at City? Because we have to. Mm -hmm. I'll just give you a, a little insight into some of the records that they've, they've set. Most consecutive wins, 18. Most goals, 105. Most passes, 904 in a single game. Most wins, 32. Most away wins, 16. Most points, 100. Biggest goal difference, plus 79. Biggest points gap, 19. By any standards, that is historic. <laughs> it is completely historic, and this team will go will will go down in you know in the Hall of Fame because they are the real deal. Those those numbers you just read out outline it, don't they? They they're a very very special team. But what have they been up against? That is the question. <laughs> what have they been up against? Um, the others have been a disappointment, haven't they? Let's be honest. So I'd like to see a bit more fight, a bit, a bit more quality. Oh, the Invincibles. Oh, I think it's a really hard one. I think the Invincibles were 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 uh, maybe a better team, but 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 the City team are better to watch. Yeah, uh, they're, they're just wonderful. But they didn't win the Champions League. This was a wonderful chance for them to win the Champions League. They should be in the Champions League final. If they were in the Champions League final, they'd be overwhelming favourites. So, it, it, despite all that, it's a season of one massive, colossal missed opportunity. See, I, I, listen, I, I, I'm more inclined to focus on what they have done. Mm. And what they have done is change the bar game, raise the bar. Um, because now it's not just enough to spend big and win. You... He has shown Guardiola that you have to spend big. You can spend big and win playing outstanding football. And I think for that, they deserve huge credit. Yeah. And any number of players in that team you could take out as, as, as being beacons uh, for the club. But of course, De Bruyne has been absolutely sensational. So, yeah, well done to them. And I think next season will be even better because the other clubs will try and catch them. OK. This, uh, we, we're going to have, a, hopefully, a special show with questions from listeners and viewers in a, in a week or so. I'll just pick out a couple. Um, Akil Nair, what's the criteria for determining a good season for a club or a manager? Silverware or league positions? What do you think? Oh, well, I think silverware is, is the gauge, in my opinion, but I'm, I'm a bit old school. That's a Tottenham uh, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for Spurs, they should they should have won the FA Cup. They should have been in the FA Cup final, really. But uh, it's a tough semi-final, and, and you know they didn't get on the right side of it. Um, silverware for the big for the big giants for sure is 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 the gauge. But generally, not not everyone can win silverware, unfortunately. So 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 look, the league position is the is the ultimate test, isn't it? And Arsenal have been the sixth best team by some by some margin. Get no complaints. You see, I I, I disagree. I think oh, as far as Pochettino is concerned. Um, Finishing in the top four enables them to play Champions League football and attract A-list players. Winning the FA Cup does not do that. We can kid ourselves that it does. We can talk in romantic terms about the FA Cup, but the fact is, if they get into the top four, they take Champions League football to their new stadium next season, it's, a, it's an easier sell to better players. It's a harder sell to prospective players if you've never won anything in decades. It's harder to attract them because because they want they, they want they they want two things they want they want they want good salary mm. and they want to be able to win silverware. I I interviewed William three weeks ago, and he said to me, I would rather play in the Champions League than win the FA Cup, and he said I, I asked him why and he said because elite players want to play in the elite competition. We don't want to play in the Europa League. We want to play in the top club competition. That, you only say that if you don't win it. 
You say that when you don't win it because it's. Yeah, but he's more. He's won more than his fair share. No, no, no. I, I, I know, but it's a get out of jail, isn't it? It's like I'd rather. I, I just, I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it. I think, I think that yes, elite players want to play in the Champions League, but you can't be in it to win it. Mm. Got to be in it to win it, and, and I don't think one has to be mutually exclusive from the other either. Mm. The athlete, mm. yeah, obviously a kindred spirit. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, not these days. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think clubs will try to emulate Pep and Klopp's style, or look for ways to stop them? Well. It'd be silly not to look for ways to stop them, won't they? You, you, that's, that's part of the challenge for everybody next season, isn't it? How how can we how can we stop Manchester City and, and Liverpool's juggernaut going forward? So now I think every manager has a responsibility this summer to think about ways of controlling them. Will they try and copy them? No, mate. You, you can only work with what you got, and unfortunately, most managers in the Premier League have limited options and, and they will tailor their style of play, their philosophy around the quality of the players they've got at their disposal. Unfortunately, Huddersfield, it's really a bad example, but Southampton, they, they don't want better to play like Liverpool. You, you can't do it. So you're going to hit me over the head for saying it, but I, I, again, I disagree. All right. That's what it's all about. I think it, if you look at City's two defeats this season, two big defeats, mm. who are they against? Huddersfield. Yeah, yeah. And Liverpool. Mm -hmm. And what did both those clubs do? They went out and, and attacked them. They went for it. They showed bravery. They showed that, that you know, if you, if you try and shut up shop and park the bus against City and the big teams, all that's going to happen is they will find a way to break you down, particularly City. They will find a way to get through. Whereas if you attack them and you try to oh. find weaknesses in their armoury, Eventually, you uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. I, that I was thinking along different lines in terms of changing their own style of play to to, mm. to be attack minded every single week. I just don't see that happening. I wish it'd be fantastic to watch, wouldn't it? Mm. I just don't see it happening, unfortunately. Final question then. Uh, back to the FA Cup final uh, prediction, please. Go on, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a tight call, isn't it? It is a tight call, but I think United, if they look at the way that Chelsea played yesterday, we'll see a team that are wounded and that can kill them off. And I think they've got the, the armoury to do that. Yeah, I don't disagree. But Chelsea is such a flaky team. They, when they want to turn it on, they can. I think I think this might be an upset. I think we might see a sad Jose Mourinho at the, at the end of the day. And remember, Olivier Giroud loves a cup yeah, final. Yeah. He loves it. He has to play. Yeah. And I think Hazard and Giroud might just be the stars of the show. And I'm going to go for a narrow Chelsea win. Interesting. The problem is Chelsea are their own worst enemies. I reckon a relatively comfortable 2-0 win for United. Jose will love it. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.